0: Hello and welcome to Sheridan Worldwide's podcast, Brilliance Realised, and today we have our eyes firmly fixed on the future of work. My name is Catherine de La Cor, I'm a coach, a digital anthropologist, and I work at the intersection of culture, technology, and data. Today our topic for discussion is Plan B, Talent of the Future. So what does the promise of a 100 year life offer? How will our relationships with work and learning change? And actually, what does opportunity mean in the 21st century? I'm joined by two very special guests. Kim Moucher-Lynch is a talent strategist, author, mentor and nonprofit board member who is passionate about the future world of work In her current role, she is charged with talent attraction inside the Amir market at Workday. Matthias Weber lives and works in Berlin. He has more than 10 years communications expertise, is a systemic coach, and currently acts as head of the free thinking program at Alfred Herrhausen Society. A very warm welcome to you both. Let's start uh, by setting the scene. Um, And I've just been reflecting this morning. I have twin boys, both of them have been starting to think about their future, they're 15. Um, And they've been asking themselves the question, am I gonna go to work, an apprenticeship? Perhaps I'm gonna continue in education. But one thing has really become clear to me, the careers support at their particular school seems to be very outdated, it's not fit for purpose. So I'm gonna invite my two guests to have a think, a ponder on imagining that you're both 16 years old again. Knowing what you know now about the new world of work and opportunity, what advice would you give your 16 year old self today? And I'm gonna ask Matthias, could you have a think about that and let us know?
1: Thanks Catherine um, for having me and this is is a real nice picture i'm 16 years old, and I would say um, to myself. I would say four points first one reflect let's say reflect the last six years of my life in school in my social environment and. um, Listen to my inner voice and trust in my emotional intelligence. Yeah, this would be the first point, reflect. The second one, let's think about it, stay connected. Connected what I can feel in when I do some sports or if I um, practice some, some maths or German lessons in the school time and stay connected to my deeper source of knowledge and um, feel where I'm good and where I'm really good in. Connected to the knowledge, what I mean with my head, and uh, connected to my feeling, what is nearby the heart, the stomach, uh, what gives me energy, and is easy to solve and stay connected to my environment, people, organization, situations, so on. The third point um, would be the point: be agile. Learn each day, also after the school time. Be empathic see with fresh eyes and um, yeah, use your capability to to change the perspective and realize that the world is moving each single day. Fourth point, last but not least, imagine. Imagine and have fun. Look forward into your own future and imagine where will you be, where will I be, what will I do and how will I live and work. This would be the four points, yeah. What I would say to myself, yeah.
0: I love that idea of always learning. And I think that's a very important point that our young people need to really understand. And actually it's incredibly relevant, not just to our young people actually, but to all of us. Um, And this idea of um, constant reinvention, which is to your point about agility. Kimberly, can I ask you the same question? Certainly, I'd love to build on
2: what you and Matthias were talking about, about that. A couple of things come to mind. The first thing is to stay curious. You know, when I was 16, I was thinking about university and the big question of course was coming from friends and family, what do you wanna study? What do you wanna be when you graduate? And the question of course, you know, had a very linear nature and it had a focus on a very specific and a consistent outcome. And looking back, you know, I would encourage my 16 year old self to explore the question of what's next more broadly. So for example, exploring the question of what kind of situations bring you joy? What kind of moments awake something exceptional in you? You know, having a specific job and a a plan for getting the credentials needed for this is essential. However, at the same time, building the basis for a variety of choices and for staying flexible to reflect the dynamic nature of life would be my advice to my 16 year old self. And secondly, you know, I would advise myself to consciously make connections between the job and the life experiences I make and to pay attention to the takeaways that I can transfer to other situations and jobs down the line. You know, I feel often there's so much focus on, on planning and on execution on a very specific education path, which will then lead down to a very relevant career opportunity or an outcome in the form of a very specific certification or degree. And all of these things are important without question. You know, there's enormous value in a thoughtful approach to career planning. What I would like to suggest, however, is to also be aware of the skills and the experiences that add value to a variety of situations and realities in a broader sense. And having an awareness of these allows people to not only have clarity about what they can offer to the talent market, but to also be
0: able to articulate these to promote their own employability long-term. Very, very interesting. And it feels very different to where I sat at the age of 16, 25, probably 30 years ago. And I'm getting a sense of, from both of you actually, of this importance of greater self-awareness, greater knowledge. And we're gonna come on to that question um, in a moment. So when I'm thinking about my 16 year old self, and I'm thinking about the question, what am I gonna do with my life? This is an age old question, how might, future talent approach this question? What do you think?
2: Yes, this is definitely an age old question and a topic that really asks us to consider not just how uh, do we want to live but what do we want to do with our time? You know, answering this question is also quite complex given the fact that in the future we'll have even more time to live than in generations before. And there's been some wonderful research on this topic. And Linda Grattan and Andrew Scott have written a book which I recently read and greatly enjoyed where they explain this development. It's called The 100-Year Life. And in the book, they talk about how people are gonna live longer and and work for longer and will also work differently than they did in the past. And in the book, they also discuss how the traditional three-stage life entailing full-time education, full-time work, and then full-time retirement will be replaced by a multi-step life with more individualized space in different phases. So if you haven't read the book, I can really recommend it, The 100-Year Life. It's quite a call to action to take responsibility for one's life story. And coming back to your question, you know, knowing this, knowing that people will be living longer, working for longer, and needing, of course, to support this longer life with adequate funds and savings. You know, what does this mean for our future talent? And their answer to the question, what do I do with my life? And there won't be one answer to this question. You know, People are gonna be required to find many different answers to this which will be prioritized and reprioritized in different phases of their lives. You know, future talent will be increasingly focused on finding an individual solution to the question, what will I do with my life? And it's gonna be one which is less tethered to the traditional life phase sequences of the generations past. You know, I like to think of this as kind of a, a purpose plus passion approach. Passion, of course, is the answer to the question of what is important to me, and the purpose part is more around, you know, what do I need and what do those around me need to live well? If I'm thinking about sabbaticals, if I'm thinking about time off to care for a family member, parenthood, travel, time for reskilling and aligning to a new career, you know, these are all priorities that talent define and redefine throughout their life. And all of this, of course, comes with responsibility as Answering this question requires self-awareness and a certain change agility, and it also comes with a certain need to balance the passion and the purpose. As we all know, there can be significant existential challenges associated with following a pure follow-your-passion approach without an eye toward the purpose part. So answering the question of what do I do with my life will really be all about addressing longevity and dynamics in life as an opportunity to continually reshuffle priorities as needed. And the people who will gain the most from this gift of extended life will be those who can find that balance and continually recalibrating is required. Kimberly, what I
1: uh, really like in your answer is the two points, redefine all the time and responsibility. And I think if I remember also in my age of 16 or, or 20, there was a plan for me in my head it was for my parents what they told me my grandparents what then told me there was uh, insurance for my retirement stage um, i started with, with 18 i think uh, insurance for that and this is not this is not flexible this is not connected to my inner source what i call it the golden point what i can do with my life and um i realized really fast and what we can see the last years in the, in the work environment that um, maybe we can understand work not as work and um, if we stay connected to our inner source to our competences and um, be agile with the environment around us um, then we will redefine a lot of things and take the responsibility for our life and stay connected also what we like to do and um, what will we provide. And if I can, last one, I learned the last year something about the theory you from Otto Sharma from the MIT and you have three really um, simple points. Think with your open mind, feel with the open heart and then act with an open will. And if you stay connected with others, see things from other point of view, learn each day from others, the older one from the younger one, the younger one from the older one, then I think you will have a great flexible future. And don't think that only the retirement stage is the golden time. Live the balanced life now each day. And
0: um, yeah. then maybe I think the 100 years life also give. Matthias, thank you. Um, I'm just gonna kind of pull some of the threads together in terms of what you've just said. Kimberly, I absolutely love this idea of purpose and passion and this idea of work energizing people uh, because we know that actually human motivation is all about energy. And I'm also really, really interested, uh, Matthias, in what you said about people needing to take responsibility for their careers and for planning their careers. And I'm just wondering if in terms of kind of the talent of the future, how important do you both think it will be for organizations to be authentic, ethical, and principle-based in order to be able to attract the talent of the future? So thinking more about where am I going to work and what new provisions do you think the talent of the future is going to be looking at opportunity with future employers? What's going to change? So
2: organizational authenticity and principles will be absolutely key to attracting and retaining new talent. And this has been talked about for years now, You know the importance of companies leading with values, but the pandemic has accelerated this and brought this topic front and centre not just for companies, but for talent as well. And you know, title, compensation, all of these things are extremely important, but increasingly and more urgently, people wanna know what kind of company they're going to be associated with and working for. And so of course they wanna know things like how is a company addressing inequities and how are they taking a stand for good? They wanna know how are companies treating and communicating with their employees in times of uncertainty? They want to know, are companies seeing ambiguity as an opportunity to double down on their promise for an employee-centered approach? Or do you know employees feel that communication is lacking, which can induce feelings of fear or distrust? And these are all questions which are all making a difference as people are making choices about where they want to apply for roles, where they accept job offers, and you know where they choose to work. I'll give you just one example. I noticed recently, last March, right around the time when we were all understanding the magnitude of what was happening with COVID, I was talking to some fellow colleagues here inside of talent acquisition, we were pondering what effect the pandemic and the uncertainty of how things would progress would have on the number of job applications we'd receive. You know, one could say it's possible that in times of uncertainty, people might want to stay with an employer they know rather than jump into a new situation they can't assess fully from outside. And I was pleased to note the number of conversations that I was having how many candidates were still applying and still approaching us not just by applying directly on the website but also by reaching out via social media channel and what i heard again and again was not just interest in the concrete role but interest in joining our company based on what they'd heard from other talents in the market you know and i was hearing things like i've heard such great things about workday i want to be part of a company which walks the talk and cares so much for employees and for me that was you know, a classic moment of where people honed in on an opportunity based on a strong sense of trust that the company they were approaching is one which is in line with their values. If we talk about candidate experience, we can also see, you know, examples of how a candidate's interaction with a company can influence even future buying behavior and sale. Now, you know, sometime back, I read an article about candidate experience at the company Virgin Media. The recruiting manager at the time had decided to, you know, explore the connection between candidate experience and candidates' intrigue in recommending Virgin Media's products and even being a customer. And their research estimated that about five million dollars in lost business was due to unhappy customers who were, you know, Virgin candidates and who had switched providers as a result of their recruitment experience. And as we know, when we engage with candidates, we represent our brand and our company and our products. The great candidate experience is not just
0: the right thing to do it's good business as well absolutely brilliant point about the commercial value and the commercial impact of great talent experience matthias do you have anything to add on that point
1: only the point what kimberly told a few minutes ago is the trust the trust in the real company and um if I have an invitation for an interview and I have experienced the company is um, yeah, more in a selling mode or like in the HR marketing mode, I think a lot of candidates for the future will, will see this or will feel this and um, they don't really waste energy in the future in companies like that. Um, you taught this um, Catherine that motivation is all about energy and I think Energy is limited. And if we think in, yeah, not work life balance, but if I invest my energy or if I put my energy in a company, I like to trust the company and everything is connected. I'm at the same time maybe a customer or family members or customers. Um, I think it's what I told a few minutes ago. It's, yes, yeah, see not work as work. And then if you trust the company, it's not the family. But um, yeah, we we will see, I think, a new way of work in the future,
0: yeah. I'm really glad we brought that word, the word trust in, to this conversation. In fact, I just wrote an article about the anatomy of trust, and there is so much science, actually, particularly neuroscience, interestingly enough, in the trust, and it is an incredibly intriguing topic. Um, Trust is an economic lubricant. Trust is a chemical. Trust is the basis, I think, potentially for future predictors of economic performance. That will be a very interesting conversation going forward, but I absolutely agree with, with both of you that trust and purpose, purposeful business, will be incredibly important in terms of uh, talent of the future selecting their future employers. I'm wondering about the importance of candidates, talent of the future, being able to sort of think about, and I think Kimberly, you talked about skills earlier, mindsets and skills, how will the talent of the future be able to predict or forecast most in-demand skill sets? I think that's going to be something really difficult for them to do, isn't it? Or are there solutions coming through in this area? Kimberly, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, that is a great
2: question, if skills are going to be
0: 100%
2: predictable. What we can definitely say is that the ability to predict and plan as much as possible will be increasingly important. And also that the rate of change in skills needed for the future is going to get faster and faster. You know, one thing is for sure, reskilling will be absolutely essential and the talents of the future will not only have a great opportunity to reskill, but also a necessity to do so again and again throughout life. You know, there's that old saying that what got you here will not get you there. And the same thing goes for skills in a way, the pace and the speed of change in our world and the technology means that there's a constant need for continuous learning. You know, I recently read a very interesting article from the World Economic Forum where they shared two quite key insights. The first one was, according to their research, they said more than a billion people will need to be reskilled by 2030 to address how jobs are being transformed by the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution. I mean, more than a billion people, that is truly a significant number. And secondly, you know, they shared that in the next two years, by 2022, 42% of core skills required to perform existing jobs are expected to change. And if we look at these, statements and we consider from our own experience, the rate of change we see in our own working environments, you know, the new tools and the technologies that are being introduced at an extraordinary rate, then the case becomes quite clear very quickly that education and upskilling and reskilling is not just an activity to ramp us up for our start in a professional lives, but quite frankly, it's an activity for life. And going back to the question of the employer's involvement in this, you know, certainly companies can play a very, very important part in upscaling and reskilling employees. And looking at the wider picture, I see a very real opportunity for an increased dialogue between companies and talents about skills. You know, on the one side, companies will increasingly be connecting with employees about what skills they need to achieve their goals. And we'll likely see that many of the companies who will successfully navigate what is sometimes called the war for talent, will be the ones which find ways to show employees how they can be part of the future of the company by contributing those skills. And at the same time, talents will be in on the conversation too to understand how they can develop from their current role. You know, and this kind of dialogue really benefits companies and talents alike. And it has an added benefit for companies because it also strengthens retention with workers who can of course develop internally instead of moving outside to grow professionally. Maybe just one more point on skills and benefits, companies on the whole have a huge opportunity to strengthen not just their own talent pool, but to also have a positive impact on the employability of people in their communities and in the wider talent market by investing in upskilling and opportunity building. When a company invests in skills for people, they're contributing to greater independence and better quality of life on a broader scale
1: what do you think or what are the experiences between employees and companies when they go in dialogue regarding to their support to educate new skills? Is there an openness or what do you think? Because what, what I see or what I reflect the last years, the employees are very focused on their, on their current job. I can't change my way of thinking. I have these only these skills. Um, is there the trust to the company that um, I can change my work life in the company?
2: In a healthy working culture, yes, certainly. Okay. This dialogue is, in my mind, very much around the now. So what is the contribution now? What are the skills needed now? And also this future, you know, this reach toward the future of what does the company need to execute on its strategy? and. In my mind, also, you know, companies who will attract the best talents in the future are these companies who are able to somehow articulate this need, you know, explain what skills do they need to start this dialogue and, you know, foster this dialogue with their talents who are also looking for their next step and helping them understand how they can grow with the company and not start, of course, looking for opportunities
0: to develop elsewhere. So this piece around communication is really kind of standing out for me, both from the candidate or the talent point of view, but also from the organizational point of view. So I think what we're saying is future talent is going to really define opportunity based on a number of different things, including higher principles, uh, including self-awareness, self-actualization and fulfilling purpose in life, if you like. And we've talked a little bit about, or Kimberly, you've talked about the importance of upskilling, reskilling, from t- perhaps more from more of a technical skill point. I'm interested in developing a conversation around personal skills and meaning. And Mateus, perhaps I can ask you, what does the development and focus on developing personal skills and meaning, what is that to do with performance and output? and the development of the human psyche?
1: Mm. If personal skills and meaning will really be combined with knowledge, I think the output will rise. I think from one point we are humans and we want to get better and better. And I think when we act from the middle of our core competences and we will open for a further development, and um, we will have a better output. We will be happier and healthier. In preparation of our talk today, I, I thought about a little bit about the burnout um, discussion the last years and the psyche. I asked a doctor a few, few years ago, What is a burnout? And um, he answered me, You know, um, you have limited energy, and if you waste your energy, uh, you, will, you will go to burnout. And I think if we stay connected um, to our inner source, and if we are open to train our skills and educate us each day and learn each day, we will be better and better in the future. The companies will have a better output. We will be happier, the work-life balance will be yeah, more in, in the center of our life, but not to talk about it and read about books it, live it and um yeah this would be my thoughts on
0: that yeah i think we all know just obviously covid has very much brought this into the forefront of everyone's minds but a happier healthier workforce is obviously incredibly important there are some a lot of organizations who are doing some really interesting things around well-being human well-being and just kind of really building on that point that you're making about you know connection connecting to self you know, why do you think human qualities in particular have such an incredibly high priorities now for the talent of the future?
1: Tefan, I'm not an AI expert, but AI will provide and support us with incredible things. Everything what could be digitized will be digitized. It will be measured, optimized, faster, smarter, mostly hopefully better. The point is, Our human creativity, our heart energy, our empathy, our feeling and our intuition. This is unique with the humanity. We have to take care and further develop these human skills to combine it with the AI. I have a lot of discussion um, that, yeah, we have to be human. Um, AI is is not good, digitization is so bad. I think the point is that we have to concentrate on our human qualities and develop them in the further future and train us by ourselves and maybe supported by the companies mm-hmm. to stay connected and train this each day because AI doesn't have these unique human skills. And if you can combine our human unique skills with the future of digitization and AI, I think um, the humans will be happier, healthier. The companies will be more better to compete in the, in the business world.
0: Thank you. In the final part of our discussion, I really want to focus our attention on the emotional space and the theme of reinvention comes to mind. Quickfire questions to you both. Kimberly. if I can ask you, what might it mean for future talent to design their own future? Oh, that's a great question.
2: It means a more conscious integration of different aspects of life. You know, during the past year, the new way of work has really blurred lines of what is at work and what is not. And the changes which we're experiencing, you know, they're going to have lasting effects on how we structure work, how we approach work, how we sequence our work. And this can't be dialed back to the way things were before. So designing one's own future you know means at the end of the day a complete life satisfaction because we're not at the end completely steered by life and simply at the mercy of the changes that we experience we're part of orchestrating it all better to match our and our environment's needs in my mind it also means better two-way communication between employers and employees about how they can work together for mutual success for me catherine it's an incredible
1: chance to be part of a company and um realize that i'm part of the whole solution in the business way i would say of the company solution what they provide
0: who will own the power in the future of work the organization or the talent matthias
1: only one word for me both
0: okay (laughs) and kimberly yes that's a huge question
2: i think power is a very strong word I believe both sides definitely have something very important to offer the other. Another word that comes to mind, what, where you were asking the question was the word influence. And I'm definitely convinced that talent is going to continue to influence the conversation on skills and career more and more in the future. And in a way, you know, it's becoming more of a partnership. Companies are, are sharing more information and offering transparency on what skills they need to stay competitive and what opportunities they can offer. And These increasingly are not just full-time permanent roles, but these are gigs and these are projects also. These kinds of different work opportunities are also addressing the topic that we talked about before, about flexibility in different life phases. And this will be something critical for companies to address if they want to attract the best talent. And, you know, one thing is also clear, talents and people by nature want to improve and develop. If you look at the reasons why people leave a specific company, you know, the reason I was not learning anymore in my last role, or I didn't see any way to progress beyond my current job. That comes up quite often. And in my current role in talent acquisition, this is a frequent reason I hear for why talent are you know, connecting about new opportunities. And there's research that shows that there's a positive correlation between investing in development and employee retention. People wanna stay at a company that offers learning opportunities and career growth. So given the fact that talent is such a precious asset to a company, employers can do a lot for their own competitive advantage by investing
0: in their people. I think that's fascinating. And I think what comes to mind, and this is quite a controversial prediction for the future, but a little bit like how football clubs operate, where they loan their talent to other businesses. I'm wondering, and I'm just gonna posit this question, might organizations in the future, to your point, Kimberly, about continuous learning and closing skills gap, might organizations potentially loan their talent for six months, for three months, 2 non-competitive organizations in the future. We will see if that happens. I know of one tech platform who are already starting to offer that capability to organizations. How important do you think adaptive intelligence is going to be in the future? Do you think it, it could be the most in demand skill perhaps? Mm, I love that. That's a great question. You know, talent itself is important.
2: But you need a culture of collaboration to have an environment where not just individuals, but the entire organization can thrive and develop and innovate. I was just thinking as you were asking that question about a, a quote that's attributed to the athlete, Michael Jordan, and he says, talent wins games, but teamwork and intelligence wins championships. I think this really drives the point home that great things require collective efforts and everyone bring you know, what they know to solve problems effectively. And thinking about culture, you know, kind of taking this one step forward. You also need a working environment which also lends itself to this. And this got me thinking about emotional safety in the workspace, which is hugely important if you want a space where collaboration and disruption and innovation are possible. And if we think about it, emotional safety in an organization gives us the space and the resources to explore, to take risks, to reimagine things and to be creative and learning and having the muse to look to the left and the right is only possible in a space where people feel safe, right? An organization that can offer its employees a safe environment can really help unlock the potential also for innovation because, you know, innovation thrives and flourishes in in places where people feel secure. And, you know, knowledge sharing has improved, you know, exchanges of ideas and best practices, all these things are improved when people make the experience that collaborative working is not only welcomed but an integral part of the working culture. And because of this, and to return to your original question, skills around empathy and listening and, and cultural championing and fostering inclusive behaviors and all these sorts of things, these are gonna be absolutely key. And people who are able to harness the energy of an organization to create a working environment which is positive you know, and inclusive and to work collaboratively with people, this is gonna be in demand now and in the future.
0: Oh, that's an organization that I would like to work for. Uh, Matthias, what, what do you think?
1: This was nearly the same sentence what I told you, um, or what I like <laughs> to, to say to, to Kimberly, because yeah. um, I have nothing to add to this point. Uh, I 100% uh, agree on Kimberly.
0: Yes, yes. I have one final question for you both. And Matthias, if I can come to you first. Um, This is really about identity, really. Um, How do you think future talent will define their identity? So a coaching exercise that I often do with new clients is to ask them to put at the top of a piece of paper the words, I am, and then for them to then write words that come into their minds, words and phrases. So thinking about identity, how will future talent define themselves?
1: Um, And there came also only one word to my mind, I am unique. And um, yeah, I love to provide then my company with my skills, and then you can put a lot of um, skills, what you really are connected uh, to your um, deeper source and you can edit, but the question I would answer, I am unique. Yeah. Love that.
2: Hmm, I am. I am ready to make this journey my own. I take responsibility for my own unique career story and I embrace change
0: as an opportunity to explore and grow.
1: This is also great.
0: Well, listen, I just wanted to say a big thank you to our guests today. We end on a very hopeful note. Thank you to Kimberly and to Matthias. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it far and wide and Very much looking forward to having you back here for our next episode of Brilliance Realized. And that's a wrap.
1: Thank you very
0: much, Catherine.
2: Thanks, Kimberly. Thank you very much.